It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of Make the Dough Rise, a special edition. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Livingworth Wealth Advisors, serving the Lake Country and beyond with an office in Greensboro, Georgia. You can find us online by going to livingworth.com. In full disclosure, uh, we're going to be very transparent here with everybody. We are recording this at exactly, let me look at the clock, Brian, 10.55 a.m. is our current time. On Friday, November 6th, and we're hoping to uh, post this very quickly right after uh, we tape and record this show. So if you're listening to this right after we have released the episode, all the information will be relatively uh, recent and uh, and relevant. If you're listening to this a year from now, well, you can probably just skip this episode and go on to uh, to something else. Although I'm sure there will be great lessons in here that somebody could take with them. Yeah, anyway. I was going to say, hold on. You may want to come back and listen to this and <laughs> fact check me and see, see how That's good right. my uh, prognostication skills are. That's right. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about the election, obviously. Uh, Brian, uh, kind of a, a quick you know, week in review. Election was on Tuesday. Uh, Georgia, of all places, ends up being sort of the center of the universe among a few other states with a lot of attention paid there with how the votes are being counted. Biden making a comeback, having just recently overnight um, passed you know, Donald Trump in terms of total votes. Certainly looks like we're headed for a recount in Georgia, as well as maybe a few other states, depending on what transpires from here. And today's episode isn't, uh, you know, a full breakdown of the election and and results and speculating about those things. But, of course, talking about the financial impact of where everything stands right now. And it was kind of funny before we started recording today, we were talking about the market and how things have looked pretty good the last couple of days. And I said, yeah, kind of surprising. And you said, hold on. No, it's not. That's not that surprising. Uh, what's not, been your take these last couple of days? I'll promise everybody up front, we will not break out a color-coded county-by-county county map here and start you know, We've trying all to, seen to enough break of those, this Brian. down. That's, <laughs> we, we don't need any more of that. What, what I'm trying to do is look a little bit past this election, and even though we are in the throes of you know uncertainty at the moment and trying to sort out which state can count ballots and all that kind of stuff— the message that has gotten through to the market has actually been quite clear and it's been quite positive. So we'll we'll break that down today. Just looking at the betting odds, I found kind of interesting on Tuesday night, very mm-hmm. heavily in Biden's favor. And then when Trump won Florida, swung heavily in Trump's favor and then swung right back in Biden's favor a few hours later. That was that was very interesting to watch uh, people's trying to figure out and read the tea leaves. And the market seemed to do something a little bit similar in after hours trading. They had a little bit of that roller coaster ride, but largely mm-hmm. have had a positive reception since then. Yeah. So all of this uncertainty, well, it certainly exposes the the lack of confidence that we can have in polls and polling and the betting markets. While it's illegal to vote in the U.S. on political markets, with a couple of exceptions for some very nominal dollar amounts, the betting markets are actually a better way to gauge the consensus or the collective intelligence about where an election is going to go because people are actually betting their money. They're acting independently. It's all those wisdom of crowd uh, concepts that we've, if you've heard me do that presentation before, uh, th- that's what's taking place with the the betting markets. So while betting on presidential elections uh, in the U.S. is legal outside of the country, we have to go to uh, some of these betting sites now, like DraftKings and whatnot. And and it yeah it was very very interesting because 
all of the bets coming in right before the election were for Trump, but the it was about two thirds probability for Biden, but that that was still a one third chance for Trump based on those betting markets. So it, it really wasn't that clear, uh, you know, cause 30, 35, 40% probability of winning. Well, if you go back to the 2016 uh, numbers, basically anything could happen at that point. And that's exactly what has happened. Well, let's uh, kind of put into framework for our conversation today. We're going to say it looks like, you know, Biden is going to maybe edge out here. I mean, I think that mm -hmm. we can kind of, at least for the purposes of our of our conversation, assume that that's going to be the case. That seems to be where things are leaning. Um, it also seems like, even though we may have in the state of Georgia, especially runoffs in some Senate races, um, that Republicans will likely hold the Senate, it seems, and that uh, even made up a few numbers in Congress, uh, we think as well. Again, mm -hmm. all of this is still undecided, but if we're going to kind of at least sort of project a little bit what things currently stand as, it seems that we still have all this uncertainty, division, and yet the markets are kind of liking the fact that we're going to be a little bit divided. Um, it's kind of, been kind of interesting to watch the reaction despite the these different forces pulling in different directions. Yeah, so, so on a political front, we're, the uncertainty continues, and uh, we're clearly as divided as ever. I would say for the last you know, 20 years, we've had a completely, all major legislation was completely partisan. And just depending on who was in, in control could push through legislation if they had control of the House, control of the, the Senate and in the White House, you can get a, a far more polarized bit of legislation or policies through in that scenario. Whereas what is shaping up, and yeah, like you said, it, it's looking like Biden's going to pull ahead with the presidential election, but with the Senate and the House of Representatives being split, the system of checks and balances that has worked so well for this country for so long comes into play here. And that, I don't want to break out the Federalist Papers here and start quoting Alexander Hamilton or Thomas Jefferson, but you know, this is this is what the Senate... If you sing a little bit of Hamilton, I'm sure people wouldn't mind that. Yeah, my rapping skills aren't quite so good, so uh, I'll, I'll leave that to the professionals. All right, all right. How about you? Are you going to give us an encore to the Gamma song? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be... I, no, my slight Elvis impersonation was about as good as it gets, so we're only downhill from there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, but the the... the as it turns out, the, the market actually likes this division and this ability to uh, force people to, you know, collaborate, compromise. And I know that's a word we haven't heard much of in the last 20 years, but that's how things used to get done. So um, what turns out to look like an existential threat to our identity and our team and the country and the soul of the nation and everything else that all the rhetoric rhetoric that we've heard uh this actually is kind of a positive development for stability predictability uh people like certainty markets like certainty and so there's less likelihood of real radical legislation getting through and it turns out that's a good thing for the markets. And we'll break down some of the other reasons. Gridlock politically is uncertainty, but gridlock uh, from a financial standpoint um, actually brings with it more certainty. More certainty, at least yes. Precisely. Change is slow to, slower to come, and the market's like that is what you're saying. Absolutely. And so uh, while we're on this topic of the vote counting and the way that this is dragging on, I, one of the best suggestions I heard 
and kind of a funny one was, you know, wh why can't we get this vote counted? We knew this was coming. We've been doing this forever. How, how, how can we not get this vote counted? And somebody pointed out, remember the American Idol? Uh, when did that come onto the scenes? Back in the 90s? Yeah, well, or, or maybe early 2000s or late 90s, maybe? Yeah, yeah. 99, yeah, it's, it's, was that Kelly Clarkson, maybe? Somewhere in there. But do you remember you could text in your vote? And this was when texting was still you know, relatively early. American Idol could count millions of votes in one commercial break. So I, I nominate for the next election count the folks at American Idol to help us sort yeah, this out and speed votes. things up. Do it all at one time. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? Like, all right, everybody, you have five, it'd be like a, the NFL draft. All right, America, you are on the clock. You have 15 minutes to submit your ballot. Dun, 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 at the end of 15 minutes, boom, here's your winners. <laughs> well, and seriously, I mean, in, in the age of you know technology, uh, blockchain, you, you get to use the blockchain uh, technology that fuels these cryptocurrencies and things like that. You could have everybody with an ID, with an electronic device, and boom, vote, and you could have an instant tally. So uh, I don't know that we'll see that kind of innovation out of the governments and polling places for the next time, but uh, it that, that type of technology is out there and should be coming. One state or one county or somebody needs to pilot that. And, and, and give it a shot, see how it works. And that'd be very interesting to, uh, to see. Yeah, I place. mean, truly, yeah, I, I think so. But uh, uh, anyway. 2000, 2002 was uh, the first season of American Idol, by the way. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I knew it was somewhere around the, uh, the turn of the millennium. Yep, yep, you weren't far off at all, so. Yeah, so, so all of this uncertainty and these really, really tight counts, what that translates to from the market perspective is there's no clear mandate. Everybody was talking about a blue wave, or they were talking about a red wave. And, and and again, those predictions were all over the place. And what ended up happening, I mean, you're seeing down to literally a few thousand votes in Georgia, in Nevada, or, or you know, heck, even uh, Pennsylvania at this point, shows how clearly, I mean, obviously, Trump had supporters. And, you know, I don't know if, if Biden's were supporters, if they just disliked Trump over the last several years or, or some combination of. But the fact that there is this split means that the population is, is, is in fact, very much split. The types of legislation that we're going to see and the types of tax policy and the, the, the types of programs advanced is going to be moderated pretty dramatically. So things like Green New Deal and Medicare for All and you know the huge alternative energy spending and stuff like that, you're probably not going to see a lot of that because there, there's going to have to be a compromise and, and people will be looking to the next election and saying, you know, geez, it, it was so close last time. We can't do anything really radical to alienate or, or, or push out voters. So I'm hoping we'll see some kind of, you know, sensibility. I don't know, maybe it'll just be hung up in constant bickering and battling and nothing gets done. But again, like I said, the market actually sees that as a good thing. What about with uh, coronavirus? I know that obviously was listed. I, I saw several reports of just how important of an issue that was for Democrats and uh, certainly mm -hmm. less on the Republican side when you looked at some of that polling data. Now, as we've already established, how much can we really trust that polling data <laughs> as they were trying right, to do some right. different exit polls with people. But that brings with it many different things from reopening the economy to do stimulus packages get passed. There's a lot of moving parts there that although they may not be impacting the markets today, maybe a few weeks, few months from now, uh, reenters the conversation. 
Yeah, so so we can break this into short term. And if you look at the pandemic, you know, from the last century, the 1918, it had a surge, a resurgence, and, and actually two resurgences. And, you know, after about a year and a half or, or a couple of years, it pretty well works its way out. So I think to the extent that somebody voted purely based on COVID response, um, you know, it it is going to work it it's course through. I think the, uh, the numbers that we're seeing, if you're in a high risk category, you know, you clearly need to be safer, but, uh, shutting down the economy, like truly shutting down the economy. And this, this may show my, my bias, or I don't want to sound insensitive to COVID, uh, obviously because it is impacting people, but shutting down the economy is what Europe is now doing. You know, they're having this resurgence and, Europe has been trying for a long time to get a recovery going and get their economies going. Their their markets have been flat or nearly flat for a decade. And so now their response is, you know, France was shutting down and, and, and other major uh, parts of Europe are, are locking down again. And everybody's panicking, everybody's trying to leave the big cities, get somewhere where they can, uh, you know, be out able to you know get out and, and, and get around and uh you know that that's that could really slow down hinder hurt the economy right at this time when we're simultaneously talking about stimulus and getting things going again and it's it, they're uh they're they're somewhat incompatible goals and you either need to take the the stance of we got to get the economy going we've got to get you know, everybody back to work and, and we need to kind of push through this thing. Or if you're going to, you know, hang COVID out there in, in your response to COVID as your uh, value proposition to the country, well, are we going to close things down? Are we going to have nationwide, you know, mandates on, on certain behaviors and what's allowed and, and all these different rules? And uh, so that, that could play in, that could be a factor, but now that the election is done, I think we can get on to stimulus. And that was something that was about to happen and probably for political reasons, it, it didn't get done. Now that the election is, I, I was gonna say settled, but now that the election is done, we can get back to you know, getting stimulus passed, finding out who needs you know help. And, and granted the economy is, is bouncing back very nicely, but, uh, we'll have um, stimulus, but then on the flip side, that's going to mean more debt. Okay. And do you notice what topic has gone completely missing from the, the entire presidential debate? The <laughs> deficit and the budget, balancing the budget. If you go back in the 80s and, and, and Reagan ran up the debt, maybe it was you know, the military buildup, it was tax cuts, whatever it was, but that, that really got the economy going and it uh, you know, kind of put the the soviet union in their place but everybody gave him hell for the death that he took on well it turned out to actually you know it, it worked the economy got going our our military superiority uh, allowed us to move past the the cold war he got tax reform done and that, that really paved the way for the growth that we saw in the uh the late 80s and early 90s and you used to be able to campaign on the deficit, the deficit. Remember, I mean, that, that was like a 
number almost number one theme of, of or promise that politicians had coming in was they were going to cut the deficit. They were going to balance the budget. You don't even hear people talking about that anymore. We're, we're running a trillion dollar a year deficit. We tacked on another three trillion under Trump for uh, coronavirus response. So if, if you go back to uh, 2016, the, the debt clock was running was just ticking over 20 trillion. And just the other day, we crossed the 27 trillion dollar mark. So we're knocking on the door of 30 only a couple years after knocking on the door of 20, which is pretty astounding. Yeah. And, and even with tax increases. So, so let's say you want to now impose tax increases. We want to do corporate taxes. You want to do individual income taxes. You want to do capital gains rates, hike those way up. Any, any kind of tax hike is going to have a depressive or a slowing in the economy, an impact of slowing the economy. So if, if on one hand they're trying to do stimulus and at the same time they turn around and increase taxes, those things could actually negate each other. So I don't know what they can do to dramatically cut taxes. But there again, if you go back to the stalemate, the, the divide, there's no clear mandate to dramatically increase corporate taxes and dramatically increase uh, income tax rates. There will be a little bit, but it's not going to be you know, just a... a something that they can sail right through and get done. So ultimately, and you sent this over in your notes to me before the show today, Brian, and I think this is a good time to bring it up, is sort of this remembering that stock markets and the elections in this country are not directly correlated, right? It's more of an indirect relationship. The The, the elections influence business, and but it's still the businesses that sort of drive the stock market. You can probably put that more eloquently than I can. Well, yeah, so certainly governmental policies and rules, regulations and taxes, all, all of those do have an impact. But what drives the market? It's not polls. It's not elections. It's corporate earnings. The earnings of the S&P 500 companies or individual companies, that is what's going to determine the stock price. We've all heard of price to earnings ratios. We never hear, you know, price to you know, political poll ratios. It all boils back to a company's ability to make profits, pay out those profits in dividends, or reinvest those into good growth opportunities. That said, I, I did pull a few numbers from the past and just looked at what past performance under these different scenarios uh, equated to. And so in the past, when we had a unified government, in other words, one party had the, the White House, the House of Representatives, and the Senate, all three, the market historically averaged 10% under that scenario. That's, that's pretty good. When there was a unified Congress, so the one party had the House and the, the Senate, but the president was from another party, we actually had the worst performance and the markets averaged 7.4%. And then the final scenario is if you had a split Congress, and so the House and the Senate were different parties, and then it didn't really matter what party the president was from. In that scenario, the market averaged 10.4%. So we are moving into a period where historically it was the best environment from a political perspective, obviously, there's multiple variables that go into what drives the market. But as far as the, if you wanted to correlate past political impact on markets, the scenario we're moving into has been the best 
for the market historically. You can say that it's almost the best case scenario financially to have this split. It goes back to the beginning of the show, talking about the immediate reaction we're seeing is that gridlock is almost good for the financial yeah. markets. Yep. Very interesting. So, so for those of you wringing your hands and uh, you know doubling down on your uh, alcohol intake here to, to, to manage the stress of this election, uh, you know, fear not. It's it's four years, and it's um, probably going to be a because of the close close votes. Uh, it's going to be hard for anything real radical to get pushed. You know, I would like to see this economy spring back, and you know, not have. Uh, oppressive taxes and regulations and things. And we, we want to see everything advance and, and improve. And I think a lot, the, the markets will take care of, of a lot of these things in time uh, just because it's mandated by the, the government. Companies still have to be able to meet the technological challenges and advance. And we've talked in the past about how quickly new technologies can take on and uh, big big transformations can occur. But um, yeah, it's it's not a single variable world out there. And and that's what everybody should should remember. You said four years, Brian, but I'm afraid we're going to be doing another one of these episodes in two years when well, the terms yeah. pop up. Yeah, you get that. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of a lot of money dumped into those. And I don't know, depending on what happens with some of these runoffs, we, we may have to do, especially with, uh, with George's situation, we may have to do some special January episodes, it sounds like, uh, depending on how that's going to go. Oh, I hope this doesn't turn into a political commentary podcast. That's true. That's true. We'll, we'll keep our roots. We'll keep our roots. No there you go. There, there you go. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your perspective. Um, lots of interesting takeaways, I think, from today's show. Really appreciate you taking some time in the middle of uh, you know a little bit of a bonus episode here for listeners today to kind of give us some financial perspective to what we've watched in the markets this election week. And I'm sure on uh, you know future episodes we'll learn a little bit more about what's you know gone on and transpired and what some of the transition elements look like uh, mm-hmm. to power if indeed it continues to play out in that direction. And we'll have lots to talk about that uh, won't be so political, but still more on the analysis and the financial side as we go into a new administration potentially uh, in 2021. So yeah. we'll and, no and, shortage and one of things thing, to talk about. That's for sure. And one thing that we can come back and, and monitor and come back and talk about, and I'll just say, say a, a, a parting. Uh, comment on Medicare and Social Security. This is probably a nothing for those programs. Uh, What's in place will exist. You'll get your cost of living adjustments. Uh, There'll be some little tweaks to some of the programs, but it's nothing major or uh, negative for any of those programs that, that, that people are counting on. So don't pull your hair out. Don't go crazy. Um, nope. At least fr- from from the financial standpoint. Not yet. We're, things are going to be all right at this point. Uh, well, Brian, thank you for the help. Really appreciate that. If you have any questions for Brian on something that we've talked about, want to talk about getting a uh, complimentary review of your financial plan and schedule a virtual meeting, you can do that at livingworth.com. Lots of great resources for you on the website as well. That's livingworth.com. Visit there. And uh, you can be well on your way to a better financial plan and a better conversation about your financial and retirement life. Any questions that you have about your money and finances, Brian's there to help answer those and uh, chat with you about your situation. That's at livingworth.com. And we'll put a link to that in the description of today's show. Thanks, Brian. Really appreciate it. Have a great uh, rest of your Friday since that's when we're recording this and uh, a weekend. And we'll have another episode coming up soon. Yep. Sounds good. And hopefully we'll know more on Monday. You got it. Thanks, Brian. We appreciate it. And thank you for listening to the show today. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Make the Dough Rise.
Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.